Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. My name's Emma. For those who don't know me, welcome um, to those who are watching and online as well. And happy Mother's Day. We love you, mums. We love you, women. We love you, mums-to-be, mother figures. Um, Yeah, it's so awesome to be able to celebrate today. Um, We're in a series on timing. Um, And as I was preparing for today, I was reflecting on the essential nature of timing as a mum. For example, Ollie doesn't nap anymore, but if he happens to fall asleep in the car on the way home, it matters how long that sleep is for. 10 minutes, we're probably okay. 11 minutes, we're up until midnight. (laughs) You know, there's that old saying that in parenting, the days are long, but the years are short. Anyone else found that? Yeah, yeah, I know, I have too. Sometimes those days just seem to crawl by um, as the kids might be fussing or fighting. I might be sleep deprived. But then I blink and our youngest Harriet is two and she's transitioning from the nursery into preschool at daycare. And when I think about timing, one of the first stories in the Bible that comes to mind for me is the story of Esther. In particular, Um, Mordecai's words in Esther 4. Let's read them and then we'll pray. Um, Esther 4 verse 12 says, Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Shall we pray together? Thank you, God, for this morning. Thank you, God, for these words and what you're going to do. And we just, yeah, we're leaning into you this morning and we we believe that you're going to move. Help us to hear what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, if you're taking notes, I've titled my sermon, um, Timing is Everything. And I think that in 2022, time is still our most valuable commodity. You know, we might have watches that basically tell us, you know, everything that goes on inside and outside of us. But time is one of those um, interesting things because regardless of where you come from, regardless of who you are, how much money you have, what family you were born into, your education, everybody on the planet gets the same 24 hours a day. And contrary to popular belief, you know, you, you cannot buy time. You know, you can't borrow time. And you certainly can't make time. You can only spend time or waste time. And today in this series on timing, on this Mother's Day, you know, let's take a moment to consider our time, to audit, you know, where is our time going? Because wherever your time goes, your life will follow. Before I unpack this message and passage in Esther, my question today, and maybe a question you want to ask yourself is, where does the time go? Where are you spending your time? Or maybe, where are you wasting your time? Is your time going to things that matter, things that you're passionate about? You know, everybody today is busy. 
Like it kind of can become a bit of a competition around how busy we are. You know, we power nap between appointments or we have Zoom calls in the car. You know, I believe that all of us live fast-paced lives. Um, But what if we don't need to be or feel as busy as we do? What if there's enough time to do what matters? Now, I know life is complicated, and I know that there's a whole lot of people here, so to be able to put people into one category um, is kind of impossible, but go with me on this, um, because what if we can try and simplify our complicated lives? So, this morning, I want to try and put our time into three categories. Don't pay attention to the finer details, (laughs) because it it doesn't work as well, but... um, On the screen, in a minute, there's going to be a bit of a visual way of how we might be able to see where our time is going, how we might start to view our week. So we get 168 hours a week. And so budgeting our times, we first have to start with those things that we can't control. And the first thing that you don't control if you're a human being, which let's assume that we're all human here this morning, if you're a human being, you actually have to take time to sleep. Let's just do a little survey. I want you to wave at me. <laughs> Who gets an average of eight hours of sleep a night? Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's quite a lot of you, actually. What about seven? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. What about six? Mm-hmm. Five? Ooh, four? Okay, well, we'll, we'll be praying after this, okay? <laughs> You know, research tells us that we should be getting eight hours of sleep each night. Now, whether or not you are getting eight hours of sleep, that's probably what we should be aiming for. And so, spending your sleep hours on something different is probably not a good idea. So, whether that's your reality at the moment or aspirational, and I'm really thinking about the tired mums out there today. (laughs) Let's say everyone's going to get eight hours of sleep seven days a week. So that's 56 hours. And sleep is an interesting thing because I think most of the time we wish we were getting more sleep. And I understand that for a lot of us in this room, we don't get to control the time that we wake up. You know, we might have a job that you have to be at at a certain time. We might have kids that are in a certain schedule that no matter how much you try, you don't control. Most of us in this room, we don't get to control when we wake up. But a lot of us, if we're being honest, we do get to control what time we go to sleep at night. The problem is, if you're like me, you might be filling your evenings up with other stuff, like maybe staying up and watching Netflix that one hour longer. I don't know about others, but when I'm trying to get a little bit more sleep, I often think about how nice it would be to sleep in Not that I could go to sleep earlier. (laughs) And Jono is really good at this, which is a bit irritating, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Sometimes it'll be uh, like, it'll be one of our nights in and he's like, I'm tired and it's 8.30, I'm going to go to bed. And so my gentle reminder to myself and to others out there like me is that we can increase our sleep at either end, (laughs) not just waking later, but sleeping earlier. Okay, the second category for what you do with your time in your, is what you do in the day. 
This might be work, study, school, being a parent. Cool. Um, this may take more or less time than your traditional eight hours, like nine to five, five days a week. And some days you might be getting paid and other days you might not be getting paid. You know, you might love doing laundry on the weekend or you might view that as unpaid employment. <laughs> but whether your current job is your dream job, this doesn't have to stop you from being a person of purpose. Because there's still a whole nother 56 hours left after you've slept and after you've worked. We still have a whole column that we get to choose and decide what it is that we want to work on. Maybe it's that new business that you want to start. Maybe it's spending time with your family. Maybe it is relaxing with Netflix at the end of the day. You know, maybe it's going back to study or doing a creative project. This is the category that I want to talk about because regardless of who you are after you've slept and worked, there's still another 56 hours the last 56. Sometimes it can feel like we don't have any time, and sometimes that last 56 is more accessible to us than others. You know, when the kids were newborns, I felt like I didn't have the last 56. You know, most of that time was spent holding them as they drifted off to sleep and then catching up on my own sleep because... I was meant to get that in the sleep category, but I didn't because, you know, they're newborns. <laughs> but as the kids have gotten older, I've realized that I've had to be intentional about engaging with purpose of moving into a new purpose with that last 56. You know, I could have maintained my survival mode of, you know, what I have had to do the past few years to make myself kind of feel a bit more human, like, you know, watching Netflix or, you know, going to Kmart without the kids. But 56 hours of Kmart is a pretty dangerous thing. <laughs> and so over the last six months or so, I've realized that I've, I've needed to be intentional about what I can do with that time in this new season, that God has been telling me that it's time to move. And today, I really want to look at how we're spending those last 56 you know, that we, we might say today, God, I'm going to make sure that my time is in order because wherever I spend my time, my life will follow. Timing is everything. So Esther, Esther is an orphan girl living in Persia. She's a Jewish girl, but nobody knows that. And King Xerxes? Yeah, cool. <laughs> he is the king at the time, and, and he gets rid of his former queen, which no one has... Vashti, which isn't great. And then they said, you know, let's put a pageant on. And, and Esther, she's picked out of everybody and she becomes the queen of Persia. So she finds herself in this position of influence. And Esther has a cousin named Mordecai. And Mordecai, he continues to counsel her and advise her. Now, in chapter three of Esther, we're introduced to this person called Haman. Please, I don't know if that's how you say them, but um, if this was a Disney movie, which Esther does kind of read like that, um, Haman would be Jafar. He's the bad guy, and he's, he becomes the chief advisor to the king. Every day, he walks into the king's court, and everyone would bow down 
and they would give honor and worship towards Haman. Everyone but one man, Mordecai, Esther's cousin. Mordecai wouldn't bow down because Mordecai is Jewish and he believes in only bowing down to only worshiping God. And so because he wouldn't bow down to Haman, he becomes angry at Mordecai and he plots to kill him, you know. And not just Mordecai, he takes a step further and he says, I want to kill every Jew living in the land. And so Haman begins to plot this plan and he waits for the right time and then he goes to the king. He says, you know, there's a group of people living in your land. They don't honor you. They're disobeying you. Um, They have their own practices. And the king asks Haman, what should we do? And Haman convinces the king that anyone who is undermining the king should be killed. And when Mordecai hears about this in Esther chapter 4, the scriptures say that he rips his clothes and he puts on sackcloth and he begins to fast. Because at a time like this, Mordecai knows that only this problem could be solved in prayer. And he's fasting and Esther gets word and she sends someone to go and check on him because he's not looking too good. And Mordecai, he sends word back to Esther and he says, the time is now. You must go to King Xerxes and you must plead our case. You must fight for the Jewish people. It is now time for you to reveal who you actually are. In fact, Esther, you've been promoted to the palace for such a time as this. And here's what's fascinating about this scripture, this part of the scripture, is that, you know, Esther's been in this process for nine years. We know through the scripture that she's been queen for five years. And in the five years that she has been queen, she has hidden her true identity from King Xerxes. And she's done this at the council of Mordecai. And then like five years on, Mordecai says to Esther in chapter four, don't think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. Essentially, he's saying, don't think that because you're up there wearing the Persian clothes, that this doesn't affect you too. Don't forget who you are. You are in, a pa- in the palace for such a time as this. This whole thing was a God set up for this moment that you would rescue your people. And in my life, I've learned that when I start to get my time in order and when I'm living with intention, I'm presented with God opportunities. And God opportunities always require you to move. They require you to pivot, to step out, And so many of us in this room, we have this question that can feel overwhelming to us when we start wondering, how do I know when it's time to move? How do I know when it's time to stick at something? How do I know when it's time that I should stretch? And I imagine Esther going, okay, Mordecai, like I've been in this palace for five years. Why is now the time? What what are the indicators? What are the factors What are the things that God will reveal in me that show me that now is the time? And I think that it's a lot of things. And the biggest thing that we kind of, we have to listen to is the the small voice of the Holy Spirit telling us to step out. But 
there are some factors that I've seen in my life over and over again that I want to share with you. Because timing is everything. And today I have three factors from the life of Esther that help us to know when it's time to step out. So it's the right time when, number one, you're comfortable, but there's a call. You know, Esther wasn't raised to be a queen. Esther was born into a Jewish home. She would have grown up learning the Torah. She would have known the stories of, the four, of her forefathers. She would have read about, you know, the great battles of David and, and the story of Moses parting the sea. She grew up with a calling not to be a queen, but to be a child of God. But for the, five, for the past five years, she's been in the palace. And on the outside, the palace looks really good. The palace is safe, the palace is comfortable, the palace is luxurious and it's awesome and everything comes at your beck and call. There are no challenges in the palace. And the problem with the palace was that the palace wasn't her calling. She was called to rescue her people. The palace was simply a vehicle to her calling. And I've found in my life that there are seasons of challenge and there are seasons of comfort. You know, you might start a new job and it's all new and it's scary and it's a challenge. And then you get used to it and it starts to become normal and comfortable. But what I've found is that if I stay in comfort, if I avoid challenges, my capacity starts to shrink. Like, let, let me put it this way. We all think that we want to get to the palace But once you're in the palace, growth often stops. And it's actually before the palace that who we are is formed. If we look again through the Bible, we see this over and over again. You know, Joseph, before he gets to the palace, he first goes to the pit, and then he has to go to prison, and then he makes his way to the palace. You know, David, before he gets to the palace, he has to live his life in a cave. You know, And why? Because he actually learned more about being a leader in the cave than he ever did living in the palace. Because when when you're being challenged, your capacity is growing. And the longer Esther lives in the palace, the more her capacity is going to shrink. Because the palace is a place of comfort. You know, we can see this more easily in our children. You know, if a child learns to crawl... We don't encourage them to just stop there, do we? Maybe our second children, but our first children, we <laughs> once we realize. <laughs> but crawling is great, but we know that there's more for them. You know, and we're living in a time right now where I think many of us are avoiding pain and discomfort at all costs. Yet, on the other side of, side of pain and discomfort is you getting stronger. Because the reality is, is that if you want your capacity to grow, you have to challenge it. You know, I don't want to live a life that's easy and comfortable. My flesh wants that for sure. And there are seasons in my life that I've had to work really hard against that. You know, in Wellington, I worked in child mental health. And so shifting to Christchurch, I had the chance to either choose if I wanted to stay in that area, which I knew, um, or see if I could expand my specialty in another area. 
And I really felt that God was calling me to stretch myself. And so I took a chance. I wasn't sure if I'd even get a role in another area. Um, but, you know, God works things together. And, I, you know, I got a fixed-term position that then turned permanent. And God's now planted a whole set of dreams and new dreams to do with a completely new area and skill set. And I'm not exactly sure where that's going to end right now, but it's an, it's an adventure and one that I could be missing if I'd valued comfort over everything else, which is really easy to do. Today, I'd love to remind you, you have more inside of you. Your capacity can get bigger. This is why we can't afford to simply live in an environment that will comfort us. It'll feel good for the short term, but it won't produce the life that you're dreaming of. And here's Esther. Esther's in this place, and we know that it's time for her to move. Because if she stays any longer, something in her is going to shrink. And that's why Mordecai reminds her of who she is. She's been in a place of comfort, but the call has never been greater. It's time to make a move when you're comfortable, but there's a call. Number two, it's time to make a move when you have faith and fear. In the story of Esther, understanding the context is really important. In that time period, nobody was allowed to just walk into the king's chambers without an invitation. And we're told that it's been 30 days since King Xerxes called upon Esther. So when Mordecai extend, asks, sends this request to go and ask kings, the king for mercy, what he's really asking her to do is to risk her life. And for Esther, you know, here she is, and she goes, you know, I think this is a God opportunity. But if this is a God opportunity, how come I feel so afraid? And some of you today, you know that feeling, because you might be in a situation right now, and you're wondering to yourself, you know, if this really is God speaking to me, shouldn't I feel more confident? And I wish I could tell you that that's been my experience. But my experience has often been that when I'm operating in faith, I don't experience confidence. I usually experience fear. And it's in that fear that I have the opportunity to remind myself and to step out in faith and say, I don't have a spirit of fear. I can choose to walk in faith. You know, I've found that every time God speaks to me, Every time there's a God opportunity to step into a challenge over comfort, the devil starts shouting, you can't do it. It's too hard for you. It's too big for you. You're not good enough. You're going to fail. And we need to learn to recognize, wait a minute. You know, I know that's the devil talking. And if the devil is shouting, this must be something worth doing. See, I've found that more often than not, God opportunities are wrapped up in like an overwhelming fear. And the longer you work with, walk with God, maturity is this. Oh, that makes me afraid. That might just be an opportunity. Most of the time that I've known Jono, 
He's lived his life by the phrase, you know, if it scares us, we've got to run towards it. (laughs) As you might be able to tell, I haven't really enjoyed this phrase over the years (laughs) because my default is probably the complete opposite. (laughs) And if it was up to me, I I wouldn't do that. But, you know, I've, I've, I've learned over and over again that on the other side of fear, there's a God opportunity. You know, fear might be shouting. You might close your eyes at night when you go to bed and that fear feels overwhelming. But if there's just a hint of faith, you don't need great faith. Jesus said faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Fear creates mountains and faith removes mountains. You know, I always know it's time And I always know it's God and it's the moment for me to step up and step out when that fear is overwhelming. But behind all of that fear that's shouting, there's a whisper of faith. Yeah, this is scary. Yeah, the king might not let you in. But maybe you were born for such a time as this. So we can learn from Esther that it's time to step out when you're comfortable, but there's a call. When we have faith and fear. And finally, and I might get um, Rachel up on the keys. But we can learn from Esther that it's time to step out when, number three, you have a passionate peace. You might be in that place today where you're facing a God opportunity that's so much bigger than you. And God opportunities are always bigger than you, or else we wouldn't need God. But the fact that it's bigger than you is an indication that you can't do it on your own and you need God's help. And it's in those moments where our passion can start to burn. You know, we know that Esther was raised in a Jewish home, you know, and we know that she would have been raised on all of those stories and she, she would have had a passion for God and a passion for her people. And it's so important that we actually take the time to look at where our time is going to go back to that last 56 and say, am I actually focusing on my passion? You know, passion is the fuel that wakes us up. Passion is the thing that drives you into your future. If you're trying to find your passion, the simplest way that I've found to identify it is to define what is the thing that breaks my heart. Because there are lots of problems in this world, but the thing that breaks your heart is the thing that you're passionate about. And if you're not sure of your passion yet, just start trying to fix the small problems that you see, or you could fix the big problems too, but we can also just start small, bring something of heaven to earth. Because I think once you find your passion, you have discovered your purpose. You can live every single day with purpose because God designed you this way. You know, Esther had a purpose. She wasn't supposed to go to the palace and look pretty. No, there was something deeper on the inside of her. She was a rescuer of God's people. And I love Esther because she says, all right. And she goes to the king and she says to Mordecai, I want everyone to go on a three-day fast 
And why was she fasting? She wasn't fasting to try and define if she, had, she was passionate. She already knew what her desire was. She always had a desire for God and her people and His people. But what we can learn from Esther is that you, is that you cannot simply be led by your desires. If you're just led everywhere by your desires, it's not going to end well. Our desires are not enough of an indicator of when we should step out and when we should move. If every time our desires shift, we shift with them, we're not go- we won't see the fruit in our lives. We'll jump from thing to thing. You know, passion can be good, but we need to balance that out. And so Esther takes her passion to God. And what was she looking for? You know, as she began to seek God, and she began to pray passionate prayers to God, she was waiting on the peace of God. Because when your passion is burning, that's not enough for you to step out. We need to wait on the Holy Spirit, on the peace of God that goes above and beyond all of our understanding. There's this balance between passion and peace to say, you know, God, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to take a step regardless of what my desires say until you give me peace. And Esther does go to the king and she does save her people because Esther is a shadow of Jesus. For Jesus would come and he wouldn't just risk his life, he would give his life so that all of us could walk in freedom. This was Esther's purpose. But before Esther made a move, she waited on God's peace. And I want to encourage you today that regardless of what your situation looks like, God offers you peace. Regardless of how hard the pain is that you might be facing, in the middle of that pain, God can give you peace. And as I was preparing this message, I was reminded that this isn't just a one and done thing. You know, we're always growing. And I'm I'm always being reminded that you know, God's in control and it's in His timing that things happen. If I step out into call, I'll be stretched. I grow. And then what was a stretch, I've grown into and that feels comfortable. You know, I can think of when I first started serving on the creative team and I was petrified. Like I used to struggle to take my eyes off the floor. And as I kept on serving, Despite the fear, it did get easier. And then we had the kids and we shifted cities and I was in the parents' room with Harriet every Sunday and and so for a season I stopped serving. And then in the last six months, I really felt a passion rising again. Like maybe that last season was preparing me to move again. And at first I wasn't sure, like, what if this season's done? What if I can't stand up in front of people again? What if that anxiety is too overwhelming for me? And at first I wasn't sure. But I just started going along to practices. And what was once comfortable was now challenging for me again. But it felt like the right time. Because timing is everything. And our faith is something that we walk out 
we keep trusting God. Let's not stay in the same place. Let's wait on God. Let's embrace call, not just comfort. Let's listen to faith and not just be drowned out by fear. And let's embrace the passion that God's given you because He also gives you peace. And can I just ask you to close your eyes and, you know, I ask you to think on the reality this morning that Jesus loves you so much that He gave His life to bring heaven to you. And then He sought you out to make sure that you knew that there is hope. And now I invite us to respond. The time is right. Jesus has made a way, a way that we can't earn, but we can accept because of Jesus. You know, no one is too far. No one is too much of a sinner. Today, if you'd believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Bible says that you are saved. Can we all pray together? Jesus, today I choose to trust you. Thank you for coming for me to redeem me and set me free. You love me. And today I choose to make you my God. Help me as today I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.